Oh, my performance anxiety. Gregor. Oh, my God. And Greg. And introducing Mike Dude-Weatherly. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Welcome to Maximum Collective, episode 22, Packing It Up. With your host, Steve Otto O'Connor, myself, and Gregor Absolute McGrath. <laughs> got nothing there, huh? Dude, you got to say something. <laughs> right? Speak, speaking of dude, Mike, dude, the dude, Weatherly. <laughs> and if you, if you hit him up, he's at feet, feet, feet picks. Dot com. You can hit him up and get some feed pics. <laughs> and Gregor, I don't know, small ringling? Is that what it is? What? Oh, no, no, no. It's big, big raw. Raw. Sorry, it's been so long since we recorded. I'm so confused. We're all so out of practice. So out of practice. Actually, I personally, I'm just ready so, to go. Because I'm, I'm, I'm totally ready to go to the Winter Bash. Here in a couple days. That's true. It's almost here. Great. When do you fly out? I leave. I get on an airplane Thursday at 5 o'clock. I land at 11 o'clock. Probably be in the hotel room between 12.30 and 1. Up at 5. Flying field. 8. Go flying. But between now and then, I got to pack it up, you know. Pack everything. I hear you. Oh, he said pack it. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Packing it up. Packing what, it up. What are you eating, Craig? Pistachios. Pistachios. Mike, mm. when are you flying out? Uh, <laughs> dude, not <laughs> flying out to the Winter Bash as much as I would like to. Uh, not going to happen. The work's got me inundated. So as much as I will miss being there with everybody, um, hopefully – if things go well, I will make the trip with with Greg. I don't know though. Greg Greg makes it like a long trip, vacation, scuba diving, skydiving, uh, visiting family and stuff. So pistachio orchards. Yeah, you know, <laughs> definitely not eating any oranges. Well, <laughs> right? I don't think they have oranges at the flying field. <laughs> You know, so I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, I, I know December 10th is our wedding anniversary. It'll be 14 years. I'm like, I want to go to a fun fly. She's like, bye. That's a happy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be in Jacksonville, though. I'm taking her down to Florida. Oh, cool. Kinda. Nice. So, you guys get in when? Friday, you said? I'll be in Thursday, but I'm going to be in Jacksonville. I'm only coming out for Saturday. Okay. We're going to actually do a little bit of, you know checking stuff out and just relaxing on the beach. I like to just sit there and do nothing. Cool, cool, cool. I don't get to do it very often. But I will get to fly some on uh, Saturday. Now, I'm is hoping this the somebody's last... got a socks. To... This is the last one of I the year, so. right? I'm not aware of any other uh, fun flies that are happening between them. All right. Well, if they are and they're not in Florida or Arizona... Uh, maybe California, it would be pretty damn chilly. A wee bit right? chilly. But it hasn't been too bad here. I just haven't had any time to fly. Oh, it's been getting so. down in the 60s here. Cold. Oh, it was so cold today, dude. <laughs> it was 81 driving home at 5 o'clock today. Freezing my ass off. Is, yeah. is that where Gregor got that parka he's wearing from? I uh what do you call it? What it was actually jacket? fluffy. It was a high of 63. You know, this is actually a Groove Life jacket. It's actually super thin, but it has got to be the hottest jacket I have ever worn. With you wearing it definitely is the hottest jacket. Hey, I'm man. gonna start calling you Gregor Reynolds. You're that hot. <laughs> I'm lost. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah, Burt Reynolds. Burt That's Reynolds. where my head yeah, went. Take, I went take old. Take your pick. Go straight to Burt Reynolds. I'll be Ryan Reynolds. He's a little older, younger. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll give away free minutes. And he's owner of Mint Mobile. 
uh, what kind of healing you got over there, buddy? Oh man, that's that tea my wife makes. <laughs> so, is the off season making you a little crazy? There is that what that is? It probably is. It probably is. Or it's work. I'm get. I'm going with work. Work's making me crazy. That's an excuse, dude. Stop. It is How many excuse. jobs do you have anyway? Just I mean, one. You, you build stuff. You <laughs> save dogs and cats from trees, and then you machine some more stuff. You got a lot of stuff going on there. So you're busy in the off season. Random in the gym, plant, rolling in with sweaty men. I wasn't even going to go there. I was trying Wait, to avoid you, that. But say- I mean, if you want to advertise. Did you say Jim? Is that like J I M or G Y M? G Y M. Rolling with Jim. <laughs> Rolling with Jim, hot and sweaty. Yeah, and now sweaty. you're worrying me. So in the off season, that's you know, not most people go roll around the gym in the off season. They do other things in the off season. Um, so from a hobby standpoint, what does everybody do in the off season? I mean, you got people like Mike said. It's freezing cold everywhere. It's snow and ice. What are they all? Do they start flying indoors? Or they just sim it up? Or they just spend that time taking helicopters apart and putting them back together? You know, aka maintenance. I've been Uh, racing RC cars. Oh, so you resort to an indoor RC sport. Uh Uh-huh. But it hasn't been bad. It's still mid-50s here. I think there's, there's probably quite a few people that like buy new kits, do new builds, look at their walls like we all do and say, "Mm, what do I get rid of since I'm, you know, in the off season, buy a new kit, going to do a whole new build. Do I just keep collecting helicopters or do I get rid of something? And if I get rid of it, how do I do it? What do I do? Like, do I just accumulate them? Or I don't know anybody that just accumulates helicopters. Do you guys? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know a few people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bring up any names, Ken Marshall, but you know. All right. Um, so, Mike, what do you? You've got a build you're doing right now, right? I just finished it tonight. Okay. What'd you build? I built the new Kenico Edition World Championship V2. Uh, XL power. Is that so the Goose super... Guy thing? The S7 thing? Is that what it mm. is? Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that as much as I would like to. <laughs> so, uh, you building that new kit? Do you just go out and buy all new parts, or now you got one up for sale? And how'd you pick one? How'd you pick the one that goes down the road if that was the case? So. As most people know, I'm I'm one of those guys that that likes quality stuff, and and I like new things. And even though I'm a hard sell, I like to you know compare things to things that I have or things I've flown in the past. So do I go out and buy a whole new bunch of electronics and all that? No. Uh, I'll make a decision to say, hey, I'm going to do a new build and I'm going to get rid of a build. And uh, I might take a couple things out or maybe I don't. I might say, hey, um, as much as I want to, you know, expand the hobby, um, I'll make a good deal with somebody that keeps the cost down for them and advertise and, and sell a previous build that I did. And move on with a new one. Okay. So, so are you a one for one guy? You you buy one, you sell one, or is it just you got a preset number in your room that you say, all right, I can build to that limit, but from there I got to go a one for one, and then clear out the clear out the leftovers or the lowest hanging fruit. Dude, really, <laughs> Greg? For you to ask me that, you got to be kidding me, dude. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm the that rest way. Of the audience doesn't know which way you go. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm like that. We know which way he goes. Yeah, yeah I'm the yeah, guy they, that they, I put one in. Yeah. The, if I build a new one, I want one to go away. I'm not a. I, I've got this in my mind a vision of how many is going to stay in my heli room. I don't like to get more than that. 
Um, so when I go to put another one on the wall, one has to come off the wall. So I wish I could be so disciplined. Yeah, I'm right. the guy looking for that deal. Like, you know, Mike goes out and sells his whatever he doesn't want anymore. And uh, yeah, man. Oh, you want 800 for that? Well, I'll give you 350. <laughs> Don't you just love those people? Hey, I realize $800 is a phenomenal price. It's like a fourth of what I would have paid. But will you take $350 for that? <laughs> and pay the shipping? It's all I've got. I got $349. I got to borrow a dollar from my cash. friend before that. Cash. Cash. Cash, cash money. money. I'm going to cash money you through PayPal. But I want to sell you. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't anybody do that. Some as long as it's friends and family, we're get into good. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gregor, what oh, about yeah. you? What do you do? In the off season? Yeah. Well, it's California. I don't know that we really have an off season. <laughs> All right. So what's yeah, your philosophy on buying helicopters? Do you, are you a two <laughs> helicopter guy or No, I like I like having like in a perfect world, I like having two of what I like flying, right? So two nitros, two electrics, you know, and things like that. So that that's where I'm at. I like having two of what I like to fly. Uh, but then if I add too many more to the fleet, I become what I call helipore. So now I'm like, but you know, I, I used to love to have as many as I could get, but I don't, I'm not crashing as much as I used to, but mostly because I'm not being as daring, you know, <laughs> right. I used to old think man I, style. yeah, I, I've toned Have it you down. Have you joined the old bit. man 3d club? Uh, probably. Yeah. I used to think I had something to prove, but now I'm like, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Steve, I get the feeling that you're like that guy that collects things. You know, I don't try to, um, but I actually, this is the time I reevaluate where I'm at and do it. I want to sell some stuff. I've got like a logo 550 I've had sitting there forever. It's all pristine. Uh, I just don't want to sell it because I don't feel like getting lowballed or having to ship it or having to listen to somebody argue over the silly things. That's the, I think that's why I don't sell as much as I could. Um, I have way too many helicopters, not not as many as some, but I have a, a few too many. I have a couple, not a, you know, a handful enough to fill my heli room. But, uh, I do like to look for deals around now. Um, and it's interesting. I was kind of keeping my eye out for a five, six, uh, five sixteen, but with Matt redoing parts now, now that synergy's doing some parts. I, uh, those, the prices have gone back up. You don't really see them for sale. And All I'm right. kind of looking for the people exactly like Mike. That's like, Oh, I'm going to build this brand new, Kenny Co version world champion, but I'm going to sell the 516s that sit on my wall. And, you know, you get a good deal. Uh, I love those. But yeah, I don't. Uh, this year, I'm just trying to re, trying to go through everything and reevaluate where everything is. So <laughs> if you're going to sell something, though, how do you set your pricing? I mean, that's always the fun. We kind of joke about the guy that says, hey, I've bought this thing for 1300 bucks. How many times do you see a guy advertising it for $1,400? you know i see that guy right i don't like selling everything together um a lot of people like to sell it as a whole ensemble right i feel like you can do better if you sell them on an individual and then you i don't know maybe i don't like the motor this person's got or maybe i don't like the speed controller this person's got um and i don't want to have to go through the hassle of reselling it plus it's a larger cash outlay so i tend to look for just airframes i don't i don't like buying used electronics personally right yeah, I've kind of always felt the same way. I figure if you break it down, you stand a better chance of hitting a person who's looking for just a motor or a person looking for just a speed controller, or a person who's looking for an airframe. If you package it all up, then you got to find that guy that wants all of it. Or if you find a guy that says, I want a part of that, he doesn't value the other items, and therefore he's going to try and price it for like the airframe. That means you're going to give away the electronics that go with it. So to me, I've always agreed, break it down. You'll probably do a better job at selling it. But how do you set pricing? I mean, in a used market, assuming it's a good piece of equipment, is it 50% of new, 60% of new, or is it whatever the hell you can get for it? And I think that's such a difficult thing to do these days, too. I mean, people oh, don't want to, yeah, people just don't want to pay, you know, the price that you would think a used item would go for. You know, um, I remember, oh gosh, you know, we'll just we'll just throw it back eight eight nine years ago um 
you'd sell something and you'd be happy with what, you know, both side, both parties would be happy with something, you know, and now I'm seeing people lowballing to death, you know, and people are still struggling to sell stuff, you know? And so I, I don't know what's happened there. I don't know, you know, what's caused that, but yeah, that's pricing is really difficult for me to figure out. I think that's probably one of the more difficult things uh, to figure out. That's like, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, it, if it's somebody getting into the hobby, I think for me, at least that determines what I'm going to price something at. If it's somebody looking for something specific, knowing that they're, you know, already in the hobby, that kind of has a little bit of influence to it. Um, you know, we know, and, and we talk about it all the time that we have people come to the field and they're like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, how much does it cost? Not not even knowing about the hobby or how challenging it is, but how much does that cost? And you tell them, well, they'll they're like, that's you know, yeah, I'll pay three grand and dump it within five seconds and have to spend another four or five hundred dollars depending on you know the damage. So yeah, we always hate to tell them the new price. You always hate to, right? I hate to tell yeah, because the then it. Then it instantly instantly it's oh that's unobtainable that's not the hobby i'm into these guys must be rich you know or something yeah, like that yeah, you know yeah. that always throws people off for sure but i think i think you know part of our responsibility is educating them it doesn't have to cost that much you know but yeah. I, i'm with you on that mike uh you know it's it's funny because i would almost rather you know make somebody's day who's just getting into this than to you know get low balled and and you know somebody tell me their theory as to why you know this item should be sold at a lower price you know what i mean and give me a hard time over it you know yeah. um you know but uh but at the same time hey sometimes you know sometimes we gotta throw something online and sell it to to get the next thing that we want you know what i mean and and i'm in that category sometimes you know what i mean and you know I, and i think whether you're whether you've got the money or not, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I like to do that. I like to take some of my things that I'm deciding to get rid of to put, to fund another project, right. Staying underneath that, that radar, you know, of the, uh, you know, the wife going, Hey, <laughs> you know? is that although my wife, although my wife is amazing. She's, she's, uh, she's a huge supporter in, in what I do, but you know, but still, there's just still that stigma there, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, so so here here's a question. So, if you if you say you buy a kit and you buy all the electronics, you're in the hobby, right? And do do you do it in the back of your mind, saying, "Hey, eventually I'm going to sell this and I'm going to take a loss, and the loss is going to be X because I'm going to move on to something else." Because we see that happen all the time, right? We see people in the hobby that go from one airframe, one design to another. So, like when you're when you're purchasing something, do you do you automatically say, "Hey, yeah, I'm going to purchase this motor, this ESC, these servos, you know, this airframe," knowing that, hey, if I want to get rid of it, I'm willing to take a loss of, like Greg said, fifty percent. Or I'm going to keep it forever. All right. I still have a 696 complete, tore down, in the box, packaged, ready to ship to somebody. Right. But think about that. It's still under my bed because I was not willing at the time that I packaged it up to sell it for what the 696 airframes were going for. Right. It was more valuable to me to not take that much of a loss. And I said, you know what? If, if Matt comes back and starts producing parts, it's a great machine. I might rip it out of the box and rebuild the thing and fly it again. Right. So but what I you're saying is willing, willing and, to take that loss at the time because people had moved on to a different, you know, line of helicopters. So if you look at the equation, then you've got your purchase price to get the thing on the ground to fly it. Every time you're flying it, you're getting entertainment value out of it, which is worth something to you. And then Absolutely. when you sell it, you're getting cash back for it. So 
doing a simple math. Say you buy something for a thousand bucks, you get five hundred dollars worth of value out of it, then you have no problem selling it for five hundred dollars later on because at the end of the day it's a net zero, right? So I guess to me, I think on the lines of when I buy something, if I've flown it for a couple of years, I don't mind taking a little of a loss because I felt like I've got the value out of it. I mean, you go spend fifty bucks watching a movie. When you're done, you got the movie. You know, you got value out of it. So to me, if I've got a helicopter I've had for a long time, I have a little bit easier time selling it because I figure I've got my value out of it. So I don't think of it as a loss. But I see people that will buy something and I feel like, man, you haven't even flown a thing 10 times and now you're selling it. That to me feels like a loss. That that one hurts. Yeah. But yeah, if you've had it for a while and you've gotten your value, the value is the key thing, right? Yeah. I've had most of my airframes for a while. Um, and I could see where you wouldn't want to sell an airframe based off of this. Um, but if I found the right person, even like what Mike was saying earlier, you know, the right people, and I've even done that. I gave away a couple of things before I moved from Missouri back to and uh, to Maryland. And uh, it was easier just to give it away. And everybody was like dumbfounded. Um, I think it was Heli X. I gave somebody a V-bar I had sitting in my box. And they were looking for a V-bar, uh, like an actual blue line or silver line right. for their grasser. And they were getting back into the hobby. I'm like, hey, man, here you go. And he was like, what? Well, what do I owe you? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Here, take it. That's kind of that. And pay the, the point was thing. that somebody got it. I've gotten my use out of it. Um, and now it's going to go on to somebody else and make them happy. Don't give it a second thought. But on other ones, like, you know, if you've flown the airframe 10 times and it's popular and somebody offers you nothing for it, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. All right. So you've, you've come to the decision you're going to sell something. You've wrestled with yourself and what your resale price is going to be. That's the other thing we always deal with is how do you ship these things you know i mean you've we've done the whole um package it up into like a coffin and send it it's 300 dollars to ship it across country or you disassemble it down to a bunch of little itty bitty pieces wrap it up with five rolls of duct tape masking tape and send it out in a shoe box you know i mean so what's your first are you a are you a peanut guy a bubble wrap guy or a wadded up paper guy how do you ship what's your you know well, <laughs> I, I I personally cannot stand to have to ship out a helicopter. It has got to be the most challenging thing, you know, because A, you, you want everything to make it to who you sold it to in one piece, right? And not get some sort of bad review, you know? And then, <laughs> you know, and then second, <laughs> and then second of all, I I'm OCD and I'm only getting worse as, as I age. And uh, so now I'm like meticulously, you know, taking everything apart, you know, and oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so I'll get, you know, luckily I learned a thing or two, uh, when I worked at, at, uh, that one place, um, I learned a thing or two about how, how to package things up and, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll just go, you know, typical cardboard box. If I have the kit box, that's where I start. Like usually I'll have an SAB box and so I'll save those boxes. Um, I don't save them as much as I used to, but, but yeah, so a lot of times the SAB boxes work really well for, for shipping stuff out. So I'll save those. That's my kind of go-to and then lots of bubble wrap. Okay. So you're a bubble wrap guy. Yeah. I'm a bubble wrap guy. Mike, Although you... I think it would be funny to put lots of the little round peanuts. Oh, <laughs> well, I've done that. I've gotten kits before where a box showed up and you can, you cannot get anything out of the box without having your whole room. Like it look like it snowed. That's uh, so cool, foam. dude. You take it out and it just sticks to it, and then it static clings to you. And my wife walks in. I'm like the snowman. I got peanuts all over me, stuck to me, everywhere in the room, and every, stuck in the helicopter. Lord, to me, I I, I see, feel like peanuts is a bad, bad joke on me. You know, when someone sends Steve, me some. Are you the peanut guy, Steve? <laughs> no, uh, but people love doing it to me. I've had it several times, and I have two cats. And like what Gregor says, or Greg said that you, you, they go all over the place. Well, the cats think that I just gave them a playground. We'll find that stuff for the next two weeks. It'll be all over the place. Oh, it's like the herpes of packing material, man. Now, Steve, I heard you had a good story where someone sent you something wrapped in like five rolls of masking tape or shipping tape. 
Yeah, uh, a certain individual decided he was going to package up my Urukai, and I don't know if he was trying to be funny. Um, you know, I won't say his name, Chad Taylor, but he uh, <laughs> he didn't support the canopy when he did it, so the canopy actually got messed up on top of it because of the way it was packaged. And you have to support the inside of a canopy when you ship it. If you put the canopy on, you can't have it open. It, it takes too much force, especially the way those get jostled around. And the Urukai was actually shipped as a whole. Now, this normally wouldn't be a problem. I've actually done it a bunch of times. But I guess he only protected the outside. He didn't think about the inside. And it was bubble-wrapped, taped like two layers. He said he used two rolls of tape to make sure it was packaged correctly. <laughs> so I ended up scratching the canopy, even trying to get this thing cut out of the bubble wrap. And he thought it was funny. And I sent him the pictures of what happened. And he's like, oh, he thought he was being funny. He thought he super protected it, but he really didn't because you got to think the canopy itself has only got like three points where it really connects with the airframe. So you, you got to shove um, stuff inside bubble wrap up in there or packing materials, some kind of, you know, the crumpled up, cardboard uh i make the joke when i sell parts but like when i sell a speed controller or servos man it's whatever amazon box i just got that's what those things go back in right. and go right back out yeah. and then you got yeah you, you know uh, it's based off a of cost you'd be surprised you can ship a whole helicopter if you do it right we you got like ship station and you know um uh, what is the so, the one that paypal does well i use pirate ship when I first heard someone tell me, use pirate ship, I thought, really? It felt, it felt like a, a joke. And I went, look, Googled pirate ship. And sure enough, there's a website called pirateship.com that you can literally say, I'm going to ship here. Here's the size. Here's the weight. And it goes to like UPS, FedEx, USPS, DHL, you name it. It lists all the different ways that it can ship it. And it tells you the pricing. And in some places, I'm talking half price. You right. know, if it's 80 bucks from uh, FedEx, it's 40 bucks for pirate ship. And I thought, how in the world are they so inexpensive? It felt like a scam. I kept thinking, I know I'm going to I'm going to hit send. They're going to take my money. I'm going to ship my helicopter. It's going to go to some guy in like 10 bucks to, you know, it's gone. Right. But it works. And I tell you what, I found out it's pretty easy, pretty simple. And it's. You know, you, you, I've just the thing I shipped just last week. I shipped my batteries to Manunito back in um, Winter Bash in or Florida. It was uh, 14 bucks to ship the batteries. USPS was 34 dollars, and it, you print out so, the USPS label, drop it off at USPS, you know, and you get half so, price. So when, when you're when you're shipping something, it's basically based off of the weight and the size of the box, right? Correct, length, width, that's, depth. That's basically it so so my question is it do you communicate with the person buying because like i ran into to deals where i'm like hey i'm gonna make this really easy for the dude and i'm gonna try to to put it in the smallest box but not tear down the whole thing thinking okay it'd be cool if the dude could like take it put the skids on put the vertical tail fin on put the boom in you know, whatever, and and be ready to go. And then you find out, oh, hell no. They're taking the entire thing apart. They're going to replace all the bearings. They're going to basically take every screw out, put them in brake fluid, clean everything, rebuild the entire thing. So it's like, okay, if I communicated, am I going to do that? Hell no. I'm not going to take the every screw out, every bearing, everything. But I could ship if, if I knew that I could tear it down enough to where I could put it in the smallest box with the same weight same and be cheaper. Bucks. And then it's like, who's paying for it? Right. Is it do you do you, you you say, hey, I'll sell it to you for this, including shipping, or you pay for shipping? And if you pay for shipping, do you as a seller care how much it costs? You put it in one big so box. So I use those services. <laughs> I use those services that, that Greg was talking about. I use Shippo quite a bit. Um, I also use the ShipStation, which is with PayPal, and you can save a bunch of money. I shipped a Urukai with a battery in the Urukai, servos, speed controller, the whole ball of wax, blades, a couple extra parts, the whole thing, all together in a box, lengthwise, the whole thing. And it's a Urukai, right? So it's not a little helicopter. It's big. 
it was 63 bucks. Wow. That's not bad. So, I mean, if you find the right service, you don't have to, everybody's like, Oh, that's going to be a hundred dollars to ship. Well, yeah. If you walk in, I don't know if we have that even on our list. You can't walk into UPS or UPS and be like, Hey, can you box this up for me? Yeah. It's going to cost you a bazillion dollars. Just They're for the box. Charge you Forty or fifty dollars to box that thing up, dude. I I will I will tell you, if there's anybody listening that's a first time seller, and you're excited, you got a buyer, boom, you make the deal. I will tell you before you make the decision to either take on the shipping or have them pay for it. If they if they pay for it, I guess it's no big deal, right? They might get pissed when you tell them. Oh yeah, shit! It was eighty nine bucks because <laughs> I put but, it in the coffin and sent it send. <laughs> right, like I I would recommend that you do your research before you make the decision to pay for shipping to figure out how much you're going to pay because, like we spoke earlier, you could be giving something away a twelve hundred dollar piece of equipment and you're going to give it away basically for three fifty. And you're going to cover shipping and you're going to find out that that shipping, if you didn't do your research, is going to cost you $80 and you just made zilch. Like <laughs> you're like, damn, I was expecting this much, dude, but <laughs> yeah, I got asked out. Right. So pet FedEx, UPS, it seems like if you go straight to the direct um, FedEx, UPS, those shippers, you're going to pay their flat rate, but you go to pirate shipping, you go to um, ship station, things like that. Shippo, those guys are buying in bulk and you can take advantage of their shipping costs by going that route and then being creative on how you package it, working with the buyer, buyer and seller, getting on the same page of what their expectations are. So you can start controlling some costs that way. Make that sale a little less painful, you know, right? I think communication is key. I mean, is what you just said, right? Yeah. Like Mike, I've had people where they expect you to replace the bearings and do the screws and do this. And I'm like, huh? You bought a used helicopter. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't specify any of that. Oh, well, you know, has this ever been crashed? Well, nine times out of ten, if something's been crashed, all the parts have been replaced, right? Main yeah. shaft, spindle, whatever bearings. Uh, you know, a logo, I don't know who's here has flown logo 550s. You, you crash those, you replace the frame every time. <laughs> you know, it gets a brand new frame every time. And uh, nine times out of ten, it gets bearings. It gets this, it gets that. So... Well, all I know is if you buy a helicopter used, don't expect it to show up new kit quality, but also you don't expect it to show up with every bearing rusted up, seized, and every yeah. shaft looking like the shaft on Mike's um, Nimbus from this last oh, weekend. I don't want to hear about Mike's shaft. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. You had a bent nail. So we talked a lot about helicopters, but before we move on, what about radios? So there was a thing the other day and somebody, the whole gimbal thing, right? right. Somebody, Hey, what do you, how do you want your radio? And would you buy it if it had gimbals? Well, I don't want the radio open, blah, blah, blah. But then that same person said, well, I don't like buying used radios. So if you're not going to buy a used radio in the first place, what does it matter if somebody opened it up, swapped out the gimbals? And how many V-Control users haven't at least opened the thing out and swapped out a bigger battery? Right. I think a majority of people have swapped the battery. So the radio's been open. It either works or it doesn't. And uh, I think the helicopter community is pretty good about that kind of stuff. Like, uh, it's pretty rare to get an unreasonable seller that, you know, oh, I know something's the matter with this. And, you know, yeah, it's it's it says Scorpion on the speed controller, but it's got a castle cremations in it, you know? Right. Um, and uh, not to brand bash here, but uh, um, yeah, you know, it, it, I don't think the average person does that knowingly. But if you buy a used set of servos, I've got servos that are seven years old. And every time I put it up in the air, you, you could have one go bad. Right. It, 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 I've taken really good care of those servos. But, you know, do you when you do that, what kind of risk are you taking? Um, or, you know, I had a V-bar I sold. The one bad experience I had was shipping a V-bar. I set it up on a brain. I set it up for seven channels versus a standard like six. So I could actually utilize, I don't know, idle up or something. Anyway, I shipped it off to the guy and it didn't work for the way he was trying to use it. And he thought it was broke. And I shipped it to, I sent it back. I fixed it, put it back to standard and then shipped it back to him and he plugged it in backwards and blew the board. Oh. <laughs> and then he blamed me. And I'm like, 
and it was only a hundred bucks or whatever. But at the time that was a hundred bucks more than I had in my budget. And I was, I was really trying to one for one on that kind of stuff. And it was a little frustrating, but yeah. And I, and I, think I don't that mean to, kind of, sorry, go ahead. No, I don't mean to digress, but radios, we really didn't cover. And you see V controls all the time. Uh, I'd be a little wary about buying. I'm not a fan of the original V control. Everybody knows this. Um, I'd be a little weary about buying a used one, but you're talking that's several years old now, right? Right. Yeah. I bought I bought a used V control uh, that was supposedly just bought as a as an extra, and uh, when I got it, um, I pulled it out and everything was mint condition. And then the first time I went to go use it out in the light, it was a V control touch. I noticed the screen was cracked all the way across the from corner to corner. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, it was just bugging me. And so I just had to shut it off because I was at the field. So I just shut it off in my mind. You know, I was like, okay, I got to process this. I got to process this. And it just wouldn't stop. So now I'm looking at it, I pull it out. Well, it was, it wasn't the screen. Somebody had put, the guy had put a screen protector on it. Oh, and it was <laughs> such a, it was such a tight fit that it looked like it was the screen itself. So I just left it. I left it there and it was like that until the day I, I, I traded it with a buddy of mine um, for a black one and uh, the, the radio, there was nothing wrong with it. I got a killer deal on it. In fact, the guy wanted to buy it back a few days after he sold it to me. And it's like, Hey, I wish I wouldn't have sold that. I'll pay you an extra, I, th I forget 25 or 50 bucks. He was going to pay me extra to, to get it back. But I'm like, man, I, I really want to keep it. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, it was, it was, I got a really good deal on a V control, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's sketchy. I mean, you just never know. You just never know. You know? I, I don't, I mean, Greg, you're going back to what you said earlier. I think it's important to, to know who you're buying something from. Agreed. Like, you know, I remember the first thing that I sold, of course, I had my friends that backed me up and said, Hey, this, this guy's legit. He's a good seller. He's honest, you know? So you, what do you expect from the person that you're getting something from? I mean, we've all seen the scams out there and stuff. Uh, communicate, communicate with people at your field. Like, Hey, do you know this buyer? We get this all the time. You know, do you yeah. know this person? Um, should I, I, <clears throat> I'll yeah, stalk uh, friends, friends on Facebook. Or do they have any mutual friends? Right. And then I'll ask those friends, hey, do you know this person? Like, well, and I've had people reach out to me the same this way. Is a small, this is a small community, mm -hmm. a small hobby. If, you, if you're looking at buying something from back east, there's a pretty damn good chance that someone that we know knows that person. Or yeah, you're I, one or two people removed that you could at least get a reference on somebody. And if you can't find them, they probably don't exist. And you know what? If something was to happen in the middle of shipping or, or whatever, uh, if it's legit, more than likely in this hobby, that person's going to make it right with you. So, you know, I mean, I would. I'd be like, yep. dude, you know, if I, if Steve, if I made the mistake and didn't, you know, put paper or stuff the canopy inside with something and it got jacked up, I'd make it right with somebody. So, I'd, you know, do your research. Ask your people at your field. I mean, you're right, Greg. It's a small community. Check your references. Um, yeah. And uh, we take care of each other. All right. That's so you put... was actually a buddy doing me a favor. And uh, I let it 100% go because it was the friendship was more important. And he was a little perturbed. Um, I tried to tell him how to do it in the first place. He didn't like that. And then it showed up broke. <laughs> And then he felt really bad. <laughs> and I didn't even say, I told you so. <laughs> but you wanted to. <laughs> so I remember when I got out of my, when I got out of Galley, um, I had like four of those three foot by three foot U-Haul boxes full of Galley stuff. I mean, I'm talking, I filled those things up. It cost, it cost me back then because I was just using USPS and FedEx. I didn't know about pirate ship. It was $160 to ship all that stuff to Canada. <laughs> I said, That's now did awesome, you make that dude. person? Anytime I do anything like that when it's Canada, I mean, you pay the shipping. I'm not even dealing with any of that. Yeah, I paid it. And it was funny. Um, It was three boxes. Two boxes hit, went right through. The third box got stuck in customs for like three or four months. 
Oh my gosh. Oh man. And you could sure. check every day and see it still said it was there, you know, still in customs, you know, uh, but no, that was, that was, that was like my worst case shipping horror was selling boxes and having one of three get stuck in the customs agent's office, you know, <laughs> Jeez. but hey, so, so, so Greg, when, when do you, um, or when does somebody or you trust somebody to do like say PayPal and it ends up being friends and family or they disagree and say no, because they want to protect it. How do you react to that? Like, you're like, yeah, this guy's a dick. I don't want to deal with him because he doesn't trust me. Or do you use a different payment method? I, I figure this way. If, if I know the person well enough, if I consider him a good friend, I may pay, I just may friends and family them. You know what I mean? But if someone asks to do PayPal for buyer protection, I'm not, I'm never going to go, damn, I thought that guy was a friend. Why didn't he trust me? Because to me, I figure one of the best ways to maintain your friendship is don't put money between you. You know what I mean? So yes. if, a, if a guy back east, I'm going to sell, he goes, hey, I'd like to buy that from you, Greg. Um, and I say, hey, you want to do friends and family? He goes, no, I'd rather do pirate protection. I'm going to say, cool. Because that way I know if something goes south, I don't have to worry about him and I coming to odds. We've got something protecting the sale. You know what I mean? There's a there's a deal there. And that's why I always do insurance, too. I'll always fully insure it. Um, yeah. You know, always do the insurance. Because if something goes south between here and there, that insurance will protect We'll keep, and we'll replace the value of the product at least, you know, because I've had that happen before where something got damaged bad enough and um, PayPal, the insurance replaced it for the, for the stated value. So to me, I always ship insured and I always uh, do uh, PayPal for their um, buyer protection. No, that that's, that's, that's a good thing, dude, because we know we've all had packages lost and, you know, if you don't, if you ship something, you don't insure it. Um, you know, what does that do? Does it, is, does it go bad on you or does it go bad on the, the receiver? You know, it's, I mean, it's kind of, kind of sucks. So I would highly recommend, Hey, and, and even work it out with the person, you know, and I've had people ask me, Hey, do you insure it? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pay extra to insure it just because I've been burned in the past with the lost package and not have insurance on it. And it's, it is what it is. You're, you know, you might get the, the, the traditional hundred dollar value that when you're spending, you know, six, seven, 800 bucks. Yeah. It's not, it's not very much. <laughs> it doesn't cover it, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I received a, I received a nitro one time. I, I won't get, I don't, I don't want to call the guy out, but it was hilarious. I received a nitro one time and it was the like I, I was so meticulous with the kit that I we traded. I was so meticulous, cleaned it up, and I was like worried, like, oh my gosh, is he not gonna like this or this? Well, it's a used kit, you know, and and I cleaned it. I, I mean, I went off on it and made sure it was good. And then what I got in the mail for trade, <laughs> I, I'm surprised it didn't get stopped because it stunk so bad and it was still dripping fuel <laughs> and it was that's every, awesome dude. dude every single bearing in that helicopter i mean every single bearing in that helicopter had to be replaced i mean it was was that from greg no hey hey <laughs> no. i started cleaning my helicopters now I, I love this guy so much i want to call him out uh, so it was Cade Serapompa and I made ah! a trade. I, I'm, I'm calling you out, Cade. This thing was <laughs> rode hard and put away wet. But this guy sent me a ton of parts. Uh, there was there a lot go. of usable, a lot of usable stuff, you know. And uh, that was one of my favorite nitros of today. <laughs> but let me tell you, I'm like, dude. And and he's like, yeah, man, it had this vibration. I just couldn't figure it out. And Cade is a builder, man. He knows what he's doing. He's like, I, I just can't figure it out. You'll have to tighten the boom every like three to four flights because it vibrates. And and uh, 
And then I, as I was disassembling it, I saw he had undersized magnets on oh. the clutch. And uh, they were, one was like over here in the hole and the other one was over here in the hole. And I'm like, <laughs> there it so is. When I, when I got it all built and I put that thing into a hover, there was nothing vibrating on that helicopter. But it Did was, you, you, it was you funny. totally described Greg's Nitro to a T, dude. Right? It, Greg's <laughs> Nitros are, are, every time I see him, I'm like, I want to shake you. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Like, I'm like, Greg, when's the last time you did maintenance on that thing? never have <laughs> well do you remember when we were at the lincoln right yeah. it was, the back section of it came apart in like four pieces right so we're at so we're at lincoln right <laughs> i've got my raw nitro i mean now i've, I've had this this is the, what the first one when they first came out i've been flying it for two years shit, dude. i've been flying this thing for two years probably six seven eight hundred flights on it how you know just i flew the hell out of it and we're sitting here like, I don't know, the first day there, right, Gregor? And um, yeah, Jerry Martin walks up, not Jerry Martin, um, Justin Coffin walks up and he goes, hey, you're missing a bolt back here at the back end. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm missing a bolt. So I go to grab a bolt and just put it in. It won't go. Wait a second. I think I sheared the bolt head off. Ah, that's all right. I got three other bolts holding on. It'll be good the weekend. We'll just keep flying. And By the way, dude, Greg travels with a container of bolts uh, that's like no other dude like he's got every freaking bolt like a you coffee can, can full of bolts right a junk drawer full of bolts so i pull out this junk drawer to find one and i realize no no it's a blind hole so i've got a broken off head right that's okay we'll keep flying no no justin's like no we gotta fix it greg i'll fix it and i go no it's all right he goes no no i i, I can't let you fly at that let me fix it so he takes it back to his bench an hour later, he comes walking back over, and he's got these handful of parts that he puts on the table. And it's like someone broke, laid out a bunch of busted parts, and he goes, that was what was broken in the back end of your helicopter. The one, the one rail that holds the boom clamps and the belt supports, that thing was broken with like three, four pieces split. He found so many parts broken in that helicopter, he's like, he went and rebuilt the thing on the back end. When I got home, I found a motor mount bolt was threaded or stripped on one side, and the other side the motor mount was broken too. And that thing was still flying. Oh yeah, but but hang on, you <laughs> missed the most important part, Greg. Oh, no. So he actually dumped, professionally dumped, the helicopter, right? <laughs> because the ball link on the tail control rod. Oh yeah. Had so much freaking grease and shit that it was like, uh, I was going to just say something, but I, I'll keep it. But the, the, you could literally just pull the thing on and off that it had never been changed. So he lost the tail. Like, I don't know what happened. Well, well dude, like your link and, and your ball on, on your tail is so wore out for 2000. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Greg, you're saying there. We were doing, we were messing with Steve O'Connor because we were doing pirouetting loops, remember? Yep. So on the bottom side of the pirouetting loop, that didn't stop pirouetting. That's because <laughs> the tailboard was gone. But Yeah, but I also know a time when somebody said, um, I, I, Greg, I can't tune this thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that motor, I got life out of that motor. And it was kind of funny to watch Gregor spend an hour and a half, two hours trying to tune a motor. That when he finally said, this me, thing he... is shot. <laughs> it shot. I don't think it was that long. I, I remember, I'm like, that th we got it started and I just looked at you. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can't Ooh. tune that. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Trust me when I say, Greg like Ringley was not going to sell any of that to any of you <laughs> so, so all right back to the value proposition right i buy a helicopter for thousand dollars i get two thousand dollars worth of value out of it so technically i can give it away because i've got my value out of it because there ain't nothing left it's been used and abused you know so i do i honestly i try not to sell helicopters i i don't so what if you do that? Like you give, like I sold a T-Rex ready to fly. <clears throat> this is a T-Rex 600. It had like an OS, or actually it had a YS in the thing. Um, it servos the whole ball of wax, blades, the entire thing. I sold it for like 350 bucks. Now this was a couple of years ago. 
And to be honest with you, then 350 bucks was a phenomenal deal. And I told the guy and I gave him a good description. I told him, I sent him pictures. Like I didn't take the motor apart and I don't know nitros, but I sent a picture, like I took the muffler off and sent him a picture of the piston from the side, you know, that kind of stuff. And when he got it, oh, well, the ball links had a little dirt in them. Or then he complained about everything. And I gave this guy a phenomenal <laughs> deal. And I'm just like, there's, there's just no pleasing somebody. I mean, it was a perfectly fine helicopter. They were nitpicking stuff. Well, I think that's people that buy used and expect new new quality. That's it's a perception thing. They have a, they have a bad expectation of what you're buying off a used market. You know that doesn't mean you send them junk, but recognizing it, it's a it's a used machine, and you know my description reflected that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my point. So yeah, uh, Steve, I will tell you. So I take care of my stuff, man. Like and and Greg knows. I'm probably one of the most anal people. I do a flight check before every flight. Except I've one. caught things like I'm just like because and it's it's really for safety because I know what a 700 electric or nitro could do to somebody, and and I'm just you know I, I always think about that. But I have my original V2, 700 V2, that has a brand new Hobbywing 200 ESC. MKS full-size servos, an Eagle Drift motor that would not come with it, but anyway, <laughs> and a Neo on the thing, right? With a white boom, custom canopy, the things that Mac in it. And I was selling it as is, minus the motor, for $1,100. $1,100 bucks. And basically, I mean, you can do the math. You guys know the servos alone, the MKS servos, are over $800 brand new. Okay. We all know what a Hobbywing 200 amp ESC costs uh, and what a Neo costs. And then the kit is, we'll just say, $800. Basically, a free helicopter. Basically. Yeah. And couldn't sell it. Couldn't sell it. <laughs> so, guess what? That helicopter for me will sit on my wall and I'll fly the thing because I tried to give it away. And since I can't give it away, right. And this is for everybody that's listening is like, listen, you know, when it comes time to make that decision, I personally am, am not going to, I'm already taking a huge loss, whatever. Right. But it's, it's the value of it is more for me than it is. I would rather take the thing and find a 12-year-old that wants to get into the hobby that could maybe three years from now compete at Worlds or something and just literally give it to them for zero cost than to drop it from 1100 to somebody that's in the hobby that doesn't appreciate the fact that I was already giving it away, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of – kind of my take on like how do you determine how much you sell something for you know do you pay for shipping do you not pay for shipping how do you pack you know all that stuff is like hey you know if if it's right it's right if it's not dude go somewhere else <laughs> you know and find somebody else that that's you know gonna sell you something that that the person doesn't you know uh win it, it, even though it's not a win because that depreciates so much anyways, but yeah, well, I just don't like shipping. I'm going to keep it, fly it, wear it out. You know, it, to me, it just goes to the, it goes to the, I don't care. It's my good practice machine now, right? If I, <laughs> that's the one I care least about. So I fly it the hardest, you know, anyway, Ugh. what else? Hey, so, so any tips on how do you get a swash plate off a bent main shaft where the swash is stuck in the middle of the bend? Does that really go on a sh on a on a podcast about uh, selling something? <laughs> Only crashed once. Only crashed once. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's you that's one list of those it. things you should never ever do. Who was it? Uh, not Danny. Um, Javier. He turned around and you know. He annihilated that thing. He was adding it up, and he's like, "Oh well, I think I'm just gonna buy the parts." And I was like, "What about a canopy?" And he just looks at me like, "You jerk." And I'm like, <laughs> "What about blades?" 
bastard. <laughs> and he starts adding this up. It was cheaper for him to, if he would have bought all the parts, it would, it was, it was far cheaper to rekit it. Plus, you didn't have to worry about it. And he did pretty much annihilate it. Oh yeah. And you have to make that that thing. A, a, a crash is one thing, but annihilating a helicopter into the ground, yeah, that's probably something you shouldn't resell. That's probably something. Hey, you want this helicopter? Here you go. <laughs> Here it is. Only crashed once. <laughs> right. Oh, and the last and the last one was a doozy, right? Yeah. Oh. I think one of the other things, um, where do you, we talked about boxing and how expensive that can be if you go to UPS or FedEx and have them box it up at some of those places. That's how they make all their money. Um, where do you go get your boxes? For example, I, I think I brought up like Home Depot or Lowe's or something of that nature or uh, Walmart. I've gone there. Walmart. Uh, uh, U-Haul. They've got pretty thick boxes, especially if you need a larger box to ship a helicopter into. Right. Um, and you can buy them fairly cheap. And they've you got build those your own box. telescoping boxes. Yep. Yeah. You can cut the ends down and refold the ends and make them whatever length you want. You know? I would I, highly recommend build your own box, man. If you're trying to find a box, you know, for like a 700 size helicopter, uh, yeah, you're going to pay for the box half of at least half what it's going to cost you to ship the thing so i would make your own box how do you make that box the 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 first helicopter i sold i literally drove to the back of all the strip malls going through the dumpsters looking for a box saying god damn there's got to be one box big enough and find." i couldn't do it i couldn't find one right so i'm like hmm i got an idea (laughs) So I built my own box, man. It was free. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I just got to wait till tomorrow. See what my wife bought today. It shows up at Amazon. Get three or four boxes, glue them all together. Take some of that masking <laughs> tape. You know. I try to mimic the box. Like whatever box I'm cutting down, I try to do the same thing with the flaps. And I'm not scared to cut the long ways off. And I just make sure I keep a flap that I can uh, – flat tape. back over and there you go i'll even go to the extent of gluing the boxes back together because um, they're normally sitting for a minute anyway i go. get pretty crazy on the boxing um jay greg i think you made fun of me because uh i just shipped you that outrage um uh, not fusion but the uh I'm totally blanking on the name what was that I called? Know, right? velocity the velocity, velocity 50. Yeah. that just came in today and, it was double box. Well, that that's the boom and stuff. Uh, but when I shipped it, I double boxed it, yes, and I did. had the main shaft sticking through the inner box, while I still had it packaged with like whatever material. Right. Although I will from now on be sending you peanuts when I ship stuff. <laughs> yes, and and, uh, and glitter. Put and glitter. Glitter. Oh. But I could see somebody yes. complaining. Oh well, the the main shaft was sticking through the box, and but it's double box and it's wrapped and it's it's not going anywhere. But yeah, you get so, some picky people. I shipped yeah, one one the, time. One of the side frames was broke, dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he showed me a picture earlier. <laughs> so I shipped one thing one time. And I had a bunch and of you Starburst can't find it over. anymore. So I filled the box full of Starburst. <laughs> dude, How you just gave me cost? a killer idea, man. The oh, next helicopter I, I, I ship, left over. I'm I'm throw I'm gonna fill the entire freaking box up with well, Halloween Skittles, candy. Man. Well, Skittles, I like it. Make sure you do the red Skittles if you send it to California. Red Easy killer. Skittles. I'm not separate. are those illegal out Skittles. there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Are they illegal? <laughs> yeah, no, the no, I'm gonna go down and get a bunch of straws. McDonald's <laughs> straws are packaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh. Or I love I don't know. I love Texas. I love Florida stickers. <laughs> All right, yeah, Steve. Yeah they'd, be, yeah, they'd be paper straws from California, dude. Drink out of a paper straw, man. You got to be shitting me, dude. <laughs> I'm supposed to read that bottom line, right? What's that? <laughs> On our list. Oh. <laughs> World domination. World domination. Yeah, that one. That's the one I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it yeah. sounds like we are uh, all skidded. We're all skittled all over the place. So I think it's about time to auto on out of here. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you in 2024. Hopefully, we'll see you before then at the event down in Orlando. 
Orlando Winterfest Winter or Winter Bash or whatever it is. Hey, Play happy holidays, helicopters. everybody. Yep, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, dude.